Social media is a vast, vast field. And you can spend your entire life trying to catch up with where social media is right now and the rest of your life uh, trying to keep up with it as it changes from day to day. I'm going to go back over some of the information that we talked about yesterday, only we're going to have a slightly different twist to it as we talk about what you need to do in order to be successful with social media. And you saw this, and we talked about it many times yesterday, know your market. And I'm going to keep hammering at it because it is the foundation for success online. If you don't know your market, you don't know what they want, you don't know things about them, you cannot target them effectively. So start out with, with as you're thinking about your social media activity, what's the desired action? What do you want to have happen? When you do something on social media, what do you want? Do you want somebody to just share it? Because share a post that you've put out there just because it looks nice, uh, because you're trying to build brand awareness? Are you trying to get people to come to the website and sign up for an email newsletter, which is something I highly recommend? Are you wanting them just to just come to your website and look at the home page and be done with that? Something I don't recommend, but there are people that that's, that's their most desired action. So you need to know, when, before you create any kind of a, of a post or action on social media, have in mind what you want to have happen as a result of, of what you are doing. It's going to be different at different times. So, you know, like for an event like this, uh, I might go and, and create a, a hashtag for Twitter so that people can find what's going on here. And, and I probably shouldn't get into all of that, that uh, side of things. But the, the desired action there would be get to people to post on Twitter things that they are, are experiencing or learning here. And so it builds a kind of a conversation on Twitter. Uh, the point is not to get to somebody to s come sign up for an email list. The point is just to create a, a sense of community and, and uh, conversation going on on the social media. That's one type of desired action. I would recommend that you try to find something that, that actually is going to benefit you in the long run, uh, like getting them to subscribe to an email list. So who's most likely to take this action? And this, you can drill down to as far in the demographics as you want. You can say it's, it's most likely to be a 35-year-old single mom with three kids. Or you might say, who's the person that's most likely to buy my high-tech potting soil is likely to be a, a female gardener with an income of $70,000 a year or more. So who is most likely to take this action that you are, are trying to, to get them to take? What motivates them? And, and it's not always what motivates them in direct context of what your business is. Because there are other things that motivate them outside of, of your gardening tools or your Bible studies or your health lifestyle products. There are other things that motivate them that if you know this, you can 
you can reach out and touch those buttons that gets them to take that most desired action. So where do you come in? What do they already know about you when somebody sees your information, your social media post? Do they already know anything about you or is it most likely their very first contact with you? You're going to have a slightly different type of, of material that you put out if they've never heard about you before than if they are a, somebody that has been with you for a long time and knows you and loves you and trusts you. This ties into what motivates them, what's going to drive them to take the action that you want. And what's going to drive them to take that action right now rather than tomorrow or next month? Is there, you know, there may be something that motivates them, but there's something going on right now that, that creates an urgency to take the action now rather than putting it off. Uh, maybe it's a discount that expires tomorrow. Maybe there's something, current events, you know that the, a meteor is going to hit the earth on Sunday and, and we're all going to die, so there's some urgency to take action right now. If you don't know this, then, then you're not going to be able to, to create something that drives them to take the action. Where do they get their information? Are you posting all your stuff on Facebook and they're not there, they're over on Instagram? Or are you trying to reach your audience on Instagram and they're all over on Facebook posting cat pictures? If you don't know where they get their information, you may be fishing in a pond that doesn't have any fish. What else is important to them? And how do you find out this kind of stuff? One thing that I didn't put in my slides here, and it just occurred to me that I should share with you. Find publications, print publications, commercial websites, uh, digital magazines, anybody who is selling advertising. Okay, so for example, Country Living Magazine. They sell advertising. Go to their website. If you have something that you think would fit with country living, here's how you find out for sure. Go to their website, go to the advertising department, download the media kit. When you download the media kit, you will get a breakdown of the demographics of their subscribers. You'll find out things like income level. You'll find out how much time they spent on gardening last year. You'll find out uh, what their other hobbies are. And you might find uh, there's one person that, that has a website that's focused on working moms. That's all, all it is, working moms. And when you look at her media kit for selling, she sells advertising, you find that one of the highest activities and in interest in her subscriber base is hiking. So would you think that? I mean, would you know that without looking at the media kit? Probably not, because how many of you would guess that a working mom would have time to hike? But yet it's a high-level interest. So if you had something that was related to hiking and working moms, you know, you've got a good fit there. So find these, these websites and digital, uh, digital publications and print publications that are selling advertising. Get their media kit 
especially if you see any overlap from their market and yours, what you have to offer. And you're going to find out things like what's important. Where do they get their information? A lot of times you'll find in these media kits, there'll be information about social media and, and other activity. So it can be a gold mine for research. Where do they spend their time online? This goes back to where are they getting their information? We have one, two, three, four, five, six social media channels listed in this infographic. And they're all different. Pinterest with 20 million, Twitter 241 million, Facebook over a billion. Instagram, this, is, this one's out of date. This is last year. Um, Instagram, I think, is closer to 400 million now. Instagram is the fastest growing uh, social media channel out there right now. Google Plus, even with all of those active users, Google Plus is slowly disintegrating. 300 million here in LinkedIn. And if you look up here, you can see they're talking about the differences between each of these. So LinkedIn is all business oriented. And Pinterest is all about discovery. And you look here, you can see that the, there's crafts and recipes, cooking, health, fashions. Those are the areas where there's the largest opportunity on Pinterest. Not gonna do so much good over here on LinkedIn. So you need to study the different channels. And this slide will be in the, I'll include it in the PowerPoint that I send to you so you can look at it more closely. But this is valuable information. You could be wasting your time trying to, to do much on LinkedIn. YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. That's, and it's, it's a little, it's really not considered social media as much as it is a search engine now. It's a video search engine. Vimeo is a, a it's also, you can also use it as a search engine, but it's more of a, at least in how I have seen it used, it's more of a video hosting platform. Uh, I don't see it being used quite the same way as YouTube. You know, YouTube, people use it as a search engine. I'm curious about uh, Indian cooking, so I'm gonna go over to YouTube and, and see if I can find any videos on Indian cooking. Uh, People consume video, and we'll talk about video in a minute, but you know, most people think of it as video hosting and as you know, where you can go comment on videos that you watch and so on. But in reality, it's the world's second largest search engine and gets the second highest volume of search traffic. And it's, of course, Google owns it, so you, know, <laughs> you got similar situation as trying to work with Google. All right, goals. Now we're, we're getting into setting up your social media presence. 
the things that you need to pay attention to. So you need to know your market. You need to know all kinds of things about them. And now we need to start talking about what goals you're going to set, what goals you're going to have. Before you start with that, how are you going to know if you're successful? What has to happen for you to say that was a successful strategy? Are you successful if you get 15 people to come look at your website? Are you successful if you get 5,000 subscribers to your email list? What, how do you define success? And, and I, just so you know that that is going to shift from one time to another. It may shift from one channel. You know, maybe you want a different strategy for LinkedIn than you want to do with uh, Instagram. You have different goals, different ways of measuring success. So as you're looking at each one of these, have an idea of how you're going to know success. What can you measure? You know, here's some examples. You can measure increased email subscriptions. You can, can measure how many telephone calls you got as a result. You know, your situation is going to vary, uh, and I can't really tell you what, what is going to be a meaningful metric for you to use. But you need a metric that you can use, something that you can measure success by. So once you've got that figured out, you can decide what you're going to do. You've, you've defined uh, who you want to reach and then what you're going to do about getting them. So these would be examples like signing up for Twitter, signing up for Facebook, starting an email marketing campaign, uh, starting a blog. You know, what, what actions are you going to take next? and then choose those channels and get started with them. Again, where does your target market hang out? I, I can't emphasize this enough. If you want to reach the grandmothers on social media, where are you gonna go? Are you gonna go to Instagram? There are a few of them out there, actually. It's something like 30% of Instagram users are over 55, but the vast majority are under 35. So you want to reach the grandmothers? Facebook and Pinterest are probably your best bets. You want to reach women that are, are interested in crafts? Pinterest, hands down. So know where they're hanging out. Sign up for an account. If you know, Many of us don't have accounts with all of these social media things. We're, we're so busy with other things. And when I say secure your URL, here's an example. If I set up a Facebook page, I could get uh, the URL, facebook.com slash microfarmjournal. And that would be the page URL for somebody to come see my page. It doesn't exist, so it's not going to do you much good to look for it. But uh, that's an example of securing your URL. Sign up for an account. Make sure you've got a URL that's representative of your website. Uh, because you're very likely to use more than one social media channel, create a spreadsheet and set up your usernames and passwords in that spreadsheet so that you have them accessible. Or you can use a password safe like, uh, like something like um, LastPass or 
uh, password safe. There's several little different programs where you can store your passwords and have them easily accessible, somewhat secure. You want that because when you've got multiple accounts, it's a little challenging to remember them all. I would strongly recommend not using the same username and password for each one because if it gets hacked in one place, then they can uh, go in and meddle with your accounts everywhere. Something that we all struggle with a little bit is you know, so many passwords, so many usernames. And so it's easy to just try to use the same one across all the channels, but it's a, a security hazard. You should have a logo. We talked about branding yesterday. Get a square version of it because whenever you're posting in social media, almost all the social media's uh, channels have a, a little spot where you have an avatar or a, it's, it's like a, it's just a little image that represents you. It should be your brand and it should be square so that it fits into their space without getting squashed and, and distorted. very easy for a graphic designer to do if you can't do it yourself just ask your designer to do it social media is a wonderful place to get seen but tread carefully spend some time on each channel before you start posting anything go ahead and get your URL set up but don't post anything until you've spent a couple of hours cruising around, paying attention to what's going on, following people, unfollowing, learning how it goes. Because every channel has its own culture. They have their own rules of etiquette, their own language, their own vocabulary. And if you come in without obviously being an outsider, you're at risk of damaging your credibility. And the Internet has a memory like you wouldn't believe. Nothing ever disappears once it's out there on the internet. So as you're looking around these various channels, pay attention to what people are saying. Uh, what, what types of content do you see that gets a lot of shares? And what constitutes a lot of shares? You know, on, on Facebook is when you see a post that's been shared, has it been shared 10 times? Has it been shared 10,000 times? What's, what's kind of a common uh, number that you can use as a measurement for whether yours was successful or not? What are they sharing? Is it cat pictures? Is it six-second videos? What, what do people share? And what do the people, what does your target market share? So try to identify some people who are in your target market who have, you know, find their accounts See what they're sharing, see what they're following, see what interests them. And this is another tip that a lot of people don't think about. Find your competitors. You should know who your competitors are already. If you don't, find out. Because if you can find a successful competitor, you can see what's working and what's not. And you can shorten your learning curve dramatically. So watch, collect ideas. Try not to, to steal them uh, verbatim, but look at what's, what's working and try to figure out why it's working and then do the same thing. Social media is a dangerous place. I don't know if you've, you've I'm sure you've all heard stories about companies that some 
some low-level employee has access to the Twitter account and says something stupid and makes a, a customer very, very unhappy. And every, all of a sudden, as the saying goes, Twitter blows up. And all of a sudden, a company has a reputation problem because and a, they have to go into crisis mode and do all kinds of reputation management, try to defuse the situation. Nothing ever goes away when you push send, it's out there forever. Somebody's got it captured somewhere. So think before you post, and this goes for emails too. Um, and it's such a problem with emails that Google just uh, released a thing in Google Labs a month ago or so where if you're using Gmail in the, in the web browser, there's a little extension that you can add onto the web browser that gives you 30 seconds before the email actually is sent out. So you can push send and, you know, oh no, I shouldn't have said that. You can recover it. You've got 30 seconds to recover it before it actually goes out there. So social media, email, if it's your website, you can probably get it off of the, you can take a page off pretty quickly. But social media and email, you push send and it's out there. So think three times at least before you actually post something. Okay, so content. The actual content. We might actually cover the material and the clock at the same time here. All right, we talked about curated content yesterday. For those of you who weren't here, curated just means that you are, are sharing somebody else's information and providing a link back to it. So if I have a blog and I'm writing about gardening uh, in Tennessee, forest gardening, because I live in the forest and, and shade is about all we've got. So I'm writing a blog about forest gardening and there's a lot to, that other people are writing about it. I don't have a lot of experience. I don't have a big stack of logs with mushrooms growing on them. So I don't have a whole lot that I can say about it, but I'm very interested in it. So I, I want to have a blog on forest farming. I can go out and pull in other people's content. I can go to the guy that's the mushroom expert in North America and I can extract a small amount of his content, of his, an article that I really like, and I can post it on my blog with a link back to his. He gets credit for it. I can comment on it. I can have an opinion on it. I can, I can say things about it, whether I like it or not. Uh, and the link goes back to his site. That's curated content. Sharing other people's content. Okay, so just like you were, we were talking about the email, you want to create a content calendar for your social media. The more you can document this out and schedule it out, the more consistent you're going to be and the more you're going to hit your, you're going to be functioning like a real marketing department. Most of us just, you know, we sit down at Facebook and we like something, we share it and we move on. If you're going to do this for your business, for your website, for your ministry, you need to 
plan it out so that it stays consistent because if you can plan out a month's worth of, of social media posts, you can spot any problems with consistency. Uh, you can make sure that your message is consistent, that you're, you're actually accomplishing what you want to accomplish. So these can be things like blog posts, tweets. Uh, we were talking about Twitter. Those 140 characters that you post on Twitter are called tweets. Okay, remember I said every, every channel has its own language? There's an example, tweets. Who thought that in 2015, grown people would be walking around talking about tweets? <laughs> Facebook posts, YouTube videos, emails, even direct mail. You know, people are using direct mail to drive activity on social media. Um, it, there's, you have to be careful about it because you have to make sure that you're cost effective. But I just thought I'd throw that in there for fun. Press releases. Um, you can post information on your social media channels that point back to press releases or point the press release to the social media, etc. All right. What am I going to post about? If you think I, I have a slide that's slightly out of place, but you're going to be... Once you're active on a site, you should probably be posting maybe about three times a day, at least twice a day, morning and evening, but the most successful people are posting three times a day, morning, noon, you know, something around six o'clock, six or eight o'clock in the morning, noon, six or eight o'clock in the evening. It's a lot of stuff to post. Usually what happens is they'll post the same thing three times a day, so it's a picture Blog posts, you're not going to do that, but you might post a tweet about your blog post and do that three times at those spaced out you know, morning, noon, and evening. So what are you going to post about? You got to, that's a lot of information to, carry, uh, to try to bring out, and, and few of us consider ourselves such experts that we can keep up that steady flow of, of creating content. So... You can comment on industry newsletters, blogs, and websites. Google Alerts. Are you guys familiar with Google Alerts? No? Let me show you Google Alerts. Because this is a tool that you should know about. Okay. There's the website, google.com alerts. And... You can put in a keyword there, and you can ask Google to send you an email once a day with everything brand new about that topic. So let's, let's pick a topic. Um, I don't want too many. So let's, you know what, I'm just going to put in guitar just because. See, I can set the, choose when to set the delivery time, specifically when it shows up, the digest, so that they're all in, in uh, one email. I can click save. And now, it's going, now Google's going to send me every time somebody has posted about guitar on the web in the last 24 hours. Google search 
taps into Facebook, but I have not used an alert for the last year or so. When I was using it regularly, it was not bringing in social media. It was bringing in blog posts and web pages and news articles. So the value there, though, is that you get now you have you have a uh, a notification that tells you about all these new blog posts, about all the new news articles, and now you have something you can write about. You can comment about those. So it's it helps you keep in touch with what's going on out there. It's hard. To, they say no, but you remember what I was talking about yesterday with Google preparing to to filter results based on what they consider truthful. I, I wouldn't put it past them. So you can post about what your competitors are doing. You can look at what your competitors are doing and talk about the same kinds of things. Success stories in your own business or organization. Inspirational quotes are huge. If you look at Instagram, uh, in fact, there's times when my Facebook feed is all it is is inspirational quotes. You know, a nice picture with some quote from Gandhi or Thoreau or some other uh, supposedly famous person. Inspirational quotes. People love to share those. If you do these, make sure that your website is there in a watermark at the bottom of the image so that people have a way of... So that, otherwise, they're just getting a nice quote. But they can see, if they can see your website, uh, it's a, a way of raising brand awareness. Have you reached a goal, a personal goal, a business goal, an organizational goal? What if you want input on an, on an issue? You can ask your following on social media. Give me input. And this is one of the big things, the, the book that I was telling you about, Ask, by Ryan Levesque. He asks obviously, by the, by the title of the book, his whole thing is asking his audience what they want, what moves them, and so on. He gets input from them. Events, anniversaries, celebrations, these are all things that justify a post on social media. And these are things that help create a sense of community, a sense of audience, sense of engagement with, with your followers, the people who have chosen to follow your social media account. Email newsletters, you can, you can post something on Twitter or Facebook. Our new email newsletter is, has just been delivered. Um, check it out kind of thing. Newsjacking is something that works really well for certain types of organizations, and that's tying current events to your industry or your business. So... Uh, Let's say that you have a certified organic non-GMO farm and there's some big protest going on somewhere about GMO foods. You can tie that in to what you are doing, what, you are, what you're doing on your own farm, how you, how you are already addressing this problem and providing the uh, type of food that people are, are wanting. So tie the current events into your, your industry, your business. And if you're interested in this, just Google the term newsjacking, and you'll find a number of resources that talk about how to go about doing it successfully. 
if you do it properly, you can end up getting invitations to speak to, to reporters, journalists, news media, and so on to provide commentary on the current event because you are now relevant uh, to the story and they're always looking for the local angle. So if you're interested in getting media attention, this newsjacking is one of the one of the more effective ways to do it. Figure out what's working for others and adapt it to fit what you are doing. The 80-20 rule, it seems like life is broken down to 80-20 applications, but this one seems to work really well. If you, on social media, post about 80% other people's content. In other words, on Twitter, I might post something that says, hey guys, Milton has a really cool article on his blog about Simple Church. You really need to go check it out and provide a link to it. And that, of course, that's more than 140 characters, so I'd have to do some abbreviations and, and editing. But I'm promoting Milton's blog post. Hey guys, you need to see what, what's happening at Oklahoma Academy. Their farm is, you know, they've just planted and, and it's, it's really cool looking, the, the design that the tractor made in the dirt, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Posting a link to the site. So 80% promoting other people's content, 20% of your own, seems to be the ratio that is the most effective for people. It means you're putting in a little bit of time finding other people's content to promote, which is why something like Google Alerts is so useful. It's both, but primarily your credibility increases the more you... If, if you look in social media, it's a really weird thing. It's kind of counterintuitive in many ways. But this one, you would think that with this platform, all these platforms, these channels, where you can blow your own horn and make this big deal about what a great company you are and how many benefits you offer to your, your clients and... you know. It just seems like a, a nonstop stream of marketing opportunity. But the people who do that tend to not be very successful. The ones that have the greatest followings are ones that are saying, hey guys, look what I found. This is really cool over here. You need to check it out. Oh, look what I found over here. And it's as long as it's quality, um, I think part of the reason for that is that we are, as a society, we're so overwhelmed with stuff that's demanding our attention. And so we're looking for anything that we can use as a filter to help us evaluate, do I need to pay attention to this? So if you have a, a social media channel and you're providing really good, you know, you're finding all this cool stuff out there that you're sharing of other people's content and it's something that I'm interested in, I'm going to go look and see what you're doing so that I don't have to spend those three hours going and looking around for those links myself. This is a little bit different from what, what many people think of social media that aren't, that aren't involved with it. There's, there's a couple of levels. There's the personal level where you're connecting with all your college friends and you know, you're swapping pictures of the grandbabies and cat videos, and, and it's a personal um, chit-chat, gossip kind of thing, catching up on news, personal news, and so on. Then there's what I'm talking about here where you are trying to promote a cause or uh, get an idea out 
or a business. Um, there's a, a little bit different. You're sharing the same types of information, only it's like on a business level. So there's going to be some back and forth, but if you are if you are doing a if you're doing that as this as a it doesn't even have to be commercial, but say you have a purpose other than just the personal catching up with college friends type of thing. If you're wanting to promote sleep apnea uh, exercises or you're wanting to promote something like that will lead to Bible studies, there's going to be some conversation back and forth, but 98% of it probably will be within the context of what your purpose is. Because that's who you're going to attract. You're try- if you're trying to do something with sleep apnea exercises and I'm not interested in sleep apnea, I'm not going to follow any of anything he does. The only way I would see it is somebody I'm following has sleep apnea and is interested in it and they share it. Or if I come across it and I know somebody who might be interested in it, I might share it just because that's... That's one of the ways I function online is I'm constantly pulling information and, and sharing it back out. But uh, I probably wouldn't follow him. I would recommend somebody else follow him. So the back and forth that you're going to have is going to be within the context of your purpose. As long as you are not doing a lot of cat videos and sharing other, other people's cat pictures, uh, you're not going to be getting a lot of that back. So that... The thing about social media is there's a lot of interaction, a lot of networking. It tends to be shallow. Just by nature, it's a a shallow networking type of thing. But it is a place... There's ways to to make it happen within the context of your Bible study idea or the sleep apnea exercises or a farm, uh, a garden, a CSA program, you know, subscription gardening. And most of the conversation that that happens within that little group is going to be around that topic. And you just ignore the rest of it. Any more questions about social media? We're covering more strategies than actual, you know, getting into the accounts because they change constantly. And by the time we close down for the day, something will have changed somewhere and that information would be out of date. The strategies seem to be consistent, though. All right. I was going to give you a short course in headlines. I was going to try to do that yesterday, but we are out of time for that again. So I'm going to say, please go. This is, this is really important regardless of whether you're going to do social media or whether you are going to just have a website, you should go to boostblogtraffic.com. And you'll see here, right at the very top of the page, John has a big box that takes up most of the area above the fold there. Sign up for that. Give him your email. You can always unsubscribe. Download this book, this ebook, 52 Headline Hacks. If you want search traffic, if you want uh, people to click through on your social media, you want people to click to open your emails, you need to learn how to write headlines. 
because the headline often is the only thing that gets read. And it's what people determine, are they going to open it? Are they going to read it? Are they going to spend some time? Are they going to move on? So this is one of the best resources that I know for that. And then John's got excellent, excellent uh, information for anyone that's got a website. It's blog-oriented, but there are things that you're going to need to know that are, uh, are related to blogging. But you're going to need to know them to have an effective website. So go sign up for that. And I know I'm pushing it hard, but I don't have any any connection to him other than I'm a fan. There's some, but this particular ebook is all about how to write the headlines. Mm -hmm. But he does have other information on the website. His, he is a stickler for high quality writing. So this is not just about how to write quick clickbait. You know, that's going to get people to, to click and then you've just gotten the traffic for advertising purposes or something like that. He's, he's wanting you to, to write something that is high quality that's going to, the reader's going to actually say, I got something of value when I was done. So that, and that's another reason why I push this site is because the entire site is so good about that type of, you know, about pushing the quality, the issue of quality. Uh, because our attention spans are, you know, we're, we're just getting hammered from all sides for our attention. And it's these articles that I was reading this morning uh, were a little bit discouraging because you can spend 20 hours plus writing a high quality blog post and then to have nobody share it with anybody else. You might have a bunch of people read it, but nobody shares it it can be discouraging because I, you, know, you write it to share, for people to share because you want more traffic, you want more people to come and visit your website. Um, so it can be a little discouraging at times to, to see that happening, but it's still, there's so much competition out there that you'd have to put in that quality writing and not just rely on a, on a headline. On the other hand, you can have the highest quality blog post in the world, but if your headline doesn't measure up, nobody's going to click on it. So, yeah, you've got to make those two fit together. And there is good information on that site about how to do that. And, of course, again, CopyBlogger, their resources are really good. Most social media is visual more than text now. You have to have... Good visuals constantly. So here's some tools that I'm going to recommend, and I'm going to go quickly because we're running out of time. Canva is an online design uh, platform that lets you, they have templates there for Instagram and Facebook posts and, and other posts. They have templates for infographics. They have templates for web pages. They have templates for menus. Anything you want to design, they just about, they have a template for and it's pretty easy drag and drop type things, uh, type of interface. So it's even if you don't have any design experience, you can actually uh, turn out some pretty nice stuff with Canva. WordSwag is a, an app for smartphones. I believe they have an, an Android version as well as the iPhone. But it's uh, something that lets you create some pretty nice 
uh, like the inspirational quotes that are on top of a of an image. So you might want to check that one out. Photopen is a site where you can go to find to search Creative Commons copyrighted pictures and morgue file as well. And now I need to tell you a little bit about that about the Creative Commons. Please do not just grab a picture off the internet and use it in your own stuff. You could easily be violating a copyright without knowing it. And if you happen to, to grab a picture that is owned by Getty Images, then Getty will come after you and sue you into oblivion. And they are very aggressive about it. So I might have paid Getty Images for the right to use the, their, one of their images on my website. You come to my website and, and see it and like it, so you're going to swipe it and use it. Well, Getty Images tracks their pictures through the web, and they know that you swiped it, you didn't pay for it, and then they're going to come after you. So make sure that you are not using images that have copyrights attached to them, and under no circumstances use a Getty image unless you're paying for it, please. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was telling, telling somebody, having a conversation with someone about this issue, and the guy walking by stopped and he said, you know what, we've got a church that's, that Getty Images is suing us right now because uh, they swapped, swiped a, a Getty image to use for uh, their shepherdess newsletter. G-E-T-T-Y. Now... Use, use PhotoPen, Morgue File, or this link right here. Creative Commons is a copyright that has, there's different layers of, of copyright protection for these. Generally, you can use these pictures. Uh, let's see, you can, you can either use them for any purpose and edit them, or you can use them for any purpose but not edit them. Or you can use some for commercial purposes or some for not. There's, like I said, there's several different types of copyright within the common creative commons. So all you have to do is, is go, in fact, all three of these right here are interfaces for you to search for images with the creative commons copyright. As long as you've checked the boxes properly, you can use those for, you know, if, if you've checked that you don't need to use it for commercial or, you know, it's not a commercial purpose, then the results that you get, you're okay to use. If you want commercial purposes, you better check that box so that it returns the, the appropriate images. And then you can take them and, and use them within the limits of, the, of that copyright without paying for them. Uh, typically, Creative Commons, you get free use, but there may be restrictions on the type of use. So for most of us who do not want to go pay a stock photo agency a lot of money for the right to use an image, uh, this, this is your best solution. Your next best solution is to go take your own pictures. <laughs> so uh, this, this right here will keep you out of legal hot water. All right, 
if you're going to work more than one channel on social media, work smart, use a dashboard. This allows you to control all your social media through one spot. Hootsuite is used by probably more people than others. TweetDeck is one that's specifically for Twitter. It allows you to, to manage multiple accounts. Buffer is another dashboard. And all you have to do is go Google these names and you'll find, find them. Uh, again, create a schedule and stick to it. It shouldn't take you more. Once you've decided all your strategies and you've got your pictures created or your posts created, it shouldn't take you more than about 15 minutes three times a day to post. And again, most of us are pretty busy, so find somebody that's capable of, of doing this for you. You can delegate it. On social media, the one thing that you need to be aware of is you need to respond quickly when somebody connects with you, contacts you, asks a question. Um, social media is something that happens very quickly. There's fast turnover. Uh, and people expect a response within minutes or hours, not days. Uh, so keep that in mind so that you don't take long vacations without somebody checking the channel periodically. We talked yesterday about avoiding vanity metrics. We don't care how many people are following you. We care how much traffic you're getting to your website. We care about things like how many people have signed up to your email uh, list and how many people are buying widgets from you. Those are the types of things that matter. The number of followers you have on a social media channel uh, is more of a vanity issue than anything else. Facebook, you can track stuff with Instant Post Insights module and just you can just search within Facebook for that and get information how to use it. Twitter, you want to track things like retweets. That's where somebody has seen your tweet and they've retweeted it. They've sent it on to their, shared it with their network. You want to pay attention to your website analytics, and we've talked about Google Analytics off and on. How many people are hitting your blog posts and commenting? Typically, blogs have comments allowed at the bottom of the page, and there's a lot of conversation goes on there. That's how you build community with the people who are reading your blogs. And, of course, email subscriptions and seeing what works. And when you find something that works, do more of that. If something doesn't work, obviously you don't want to do more of that. Use your time and your resources wisely. We've got about eight minutes left to go. So in the premium version, it might be. They have a free version and a premium version. Um, social media tracking. If you really want to get serious about tracking what's happening with your social media, and I didn't put this on the slide because it's a paid tool, but you want to go to BuzzSumo, B-U-Z-Z-S-U-M-O. And they are the ones that are pretty much the leaders in tracking your social media. Buzz, B-U-Z-Z-S-U-M-O, dot com. 
All right, it's easy to forget because we're dealing with technology and cool things and so on, but social media, on the online world, in fact, this applies to everything that we've talked about in online marketing. It's just a set of tools. That's all it is. You have to be real. You have to be transparent. You have to be able to engage with people because at the end of all of this, it's about people. It's not about the tools. It's not about... The tools just let us get our message out to a broader audience. So don't lose the human element in all of this. I'm going to just quickly run through the video marketing section here. If there's a question, stop me, please, and I'll be glad to, to expand on it a little bit. People prefer video content over anything else. 70% of marketing professionals say that when they do video marketing, it outperforms everything else that they do. I don't understand it. I hate stopping and watching video, unless it's an instructional video showing me how to play a cool chord on the guitar or how to do something that I really want to do. I don't like watching video. Apparently, I'm in the minority. Fortunately for most of us, it does not have to be high definition or professional quality. What you have on your smartphone is sufficient. The one caveat that I would say, and, and if this doesn't make any sense, don't worry about it, just make a note. It should be in 1080p, that's a higher resolution uh, format. It should be in 1080p if at all possible. And uh, again, most smartphones do that. And you can, in fact, you know, with the iPhone, you've got all the editing tools available right there. You can, you can shoot it and edit it and do everything to it right there on the iPhone and then upload it, and it's all done. So you need to tell a story, though. It needs to have a purpose. And I'm going to give you real quick this format, and again, now. I'll send you all of these slides so you'll have it all written down. P-I-S-R format, P-I-S-R. This is a, a format formula that you can use for creating videos, and it's, it's something that you can use to sell, you can, but you can use it to tell any kind of story, pretty much. So problem, state the problem. Tell what the implications of the problem are or were. Talk about the solution. And talk about the results. And if you cover that, you've got the basic video sales letter. You've got a basic story. You can talk about, you can use this to talk about health issues. You can talk about gardening issues. You can talk about education issues, anything using this format and then end up with a call to action. And the call to action doesn't have to be buy my stuff. It can be sign up my newsletter. It can be please call. Any action that you want to take. Don't waste your, your efforts creating content and then forget to include a call to action. Always ask somebody to do something. What kind of videos can you create? I'd say stick to five minutes or less. Two to three minutes seems to be the, the norm. And if you have a 10-minute video, please break it up into two or three smaller ones. So some examples, gardening demonstrations, a tip, one tip, 
per video, how to control cutworms, how to, you know, what tobacco mosaic virus is, what to do about it. Demonstrate a single recipe. A short tour of your, your CSA, your subscription garden. Spotlight a specific vegetable or a value-added product from your farm. And when you're doing this, use all five senses. And I'm going to take a quick moment to, to give you an example so that you understand. So I want you to imagine you're, you're seeing this video. And I'm picking up a bright yellow lemon. I've got it in my hands, and you can see it rolling over my hands and feeling the texture of the skin. I say, so we've got what? Sight, touch so far. You can see me place it down on the, on the countertop, and you hear it kind of thump as it hits the counter. And then I take a knife, and I cut it, and you can just kind of see it dripping there a little bit, and I reach up and take a look. Now, how many of your mouths just went, Bleh. The power of using all five senses in your story, uh, in your video, will get people to have a reaction that they just about can't control. Just about like, you know, imagining somebody licking that lemon. Okay, monetizing your site and list. Affiliate marketing, you can sell other people's products through your uh, website, through your email list, and you can get commissions. The easiest way to find that, to find uh, possible products is to Google, go to Google, and I'm going to use gardening, for example. I'm going to type in gardening affiliate programs, and that will be the easiest way to tell you to find uh, companies that are willing to, sh to share their profits with you if you sell it. So what that happens is, is you sell it, how that happens, you promote it, somebody clicks on the link, it goes to the, other, to the company's website, the company handles all the payment, all the fulfillment, shipping, handling, everything, they send you a commission because you promoted it. You can create and sell products or courses of your own. There are people who are very interested in that, and that's actually where the most money is out there right now for online marketing. Uh, you know, Paul Dysinger has Garden Launch that, that he's doing and training in organic gardening. Uh, doing a really good job of, of putting all these elements of online marketing into place. Uh, I just saw a, a free summit came through in a homeschooling newsletter this morning for a Beyond the Grid, Beyond Off the Grid summit. It's a series of something like 45 hours of video on homesteading. It's free, so I'm curious to see what they're, how they're, going to make money. They're probably going to want to charge me for advanced classes or something like that. It would be interesting to see. You can partner with someone. If you don't have the skills, you can partner some, with someone. If you have all the skills, you, you have all the experience you need, need to have about gardening, but you don't know anybody that knows online marketing, partner with somebody that knows online marketing and course creation. If you are really good at one area, but you're lacking another, partner with someone. This is one that you should know about for if you are involved in gardening, uh, market gardening, locallygrown.net. And this is a software developer. 
If you look at his website, you'll be able to, those of you who were in class yesterday, you'll see what I was talking about where online marketing is, doesn't have anything to do with IT and programming and so on. You'll see his website looks like it was done by a programmer. Now, it's not ugly or anything. He's done a, a fairly decent job, but it looks different from what you'll see of any other kind of website out there. Uh, but he has a platform where you can do a local farmer's market online. And I was scanning through it this morning, and it looks pretty interesting. I can't vouch for him at all. Paul and Ed Dysinger was, were telling me about it last night. And so I was looking at it and, and thought I should pass that along to you because it, it looks like it has some potential because it allows you to, to still do the local farmer's market type of thing but uh, harness the online market as well. Outreach and evangelism, this is what we do in our organization all the time. So here's some examples for for the agricultural community that you can do in your uh, online efforts. You can offer lifestyle resources. If you don't have any, but you would like to be involved with it, check out outpostministry.net. Richard Ramos has developed a series of videos and a whole program designed to bring people into lifestyle programs and then on into the church. You can offer, if you're already an expert in this, you can offer lifestyle coaching and classes and offer it through your website. Uh, you can do it online. Here are some options for online video conferencing. Uh, of course, GoToMeeting is one of the standards out there. Zoom is the one that I use for all of my video conferencing. I've been very happy with it. It's at zoom.us. And of course, if you want to go the free route, Google Hangouts is available also. Uh, you can use these for offering your services, consultation, coaching, and so on, and anywhere in the world. You don't have to be stuck with somebody that lives next door or within driving distance. So, a couple of options there. And if you're, you have a website that, is, that lends itself to lifestyle issues, check out this page and the URL will be in the, uh, in the notes. But Better Life Broadcasting has a health channel now. And you can embed this on your website and you can provide lifestyle content to your visitors. It doesn't have to be on your main page. You can have another page off, off the main page so that it doesn't interfere with your primary information. But if you have an agriculturally oriented website, it's very natural to offer the lifestyle type of material. People are going to, if they're interested in organic foods, there's a good chance they're going to be interested in other lifestyle issues that you can offer good information, good advice on that. And you can lead that, turn that into a gradual movement towards the personal evangelism. Uh, the overt, in-your-face style isn't going to work online. It's going to drive people away. They're just going to disappear quickly. So you need to kind of pull them in gradually, attract them, make it attractive, and make it subtle. This media was brought to you by Audioverse. 
a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.